My name is Bertie Britz and it's an honor for me to have you with me in today's Sunday service where I'm going to be sharing about financial freedom, true financial freedom in the area of receiving and in the area of giving. You're going to be really blessed by this message. Uh, I also want to invite church leaders, the leaders of ministries to watch this message. Uh, You'll be really blessed when you see how easy it is to minister the grace message to people in the area of money. Uh, So they will not be living from a guilt platform, but they will be living and giving and receiving from a platform of the very being and character and the very nature of God. That's what we want in our people. We want to see them really free. The very, um, how can I say, the generosity, the nature, the freedom, the love of God in them, free from manipulation and control. What I've seen uh, in churches, church leaders, and what I've just picked up on the web, is that people that are in the grace message, preachers in the grace message, we sometimes struggle to minister the message of grace in the area of money. We don't know how. We don't know what to say. We, uh, and we know we need to teach on that as well in our church. And we do know that people give um, you know, to the work of God and that's how we do our things. And we don't want to manipulate. We don't want to control. And now uh, we take like a, a watered down grace message in the area of uh, sowing and reaping and in the area of uh, tithing and uh, try to mix it into the gospel to just, you know, see generosity in people. Now, today I'm going to minister on true freedom financially in both areas, like I said, in the area of giving and in the area of receiving. On how do we, how do we teach our people in the area of giving? How do we teach our people in the area of receiving? And I believe this can really impact your life. Some of the stuff that I'm going to say is going to challenge your belief, but I want to ask you to listen to the whole message I've also um, have a, a friend of mine, Gerald Davids, which was a pastor in the central part of South Africa. Which he had a big church of over a thousand members and um, also had two churches in America. I went to America, preached there and uh, eventually got divorced, uh, you know, through a lot of, went through a lot of heartache and pain and everything. Got back into South Africa. He was down and out. He lived with the Salvation Army. Um, a friend of, the, of, of uh, somebody in our church told him about grace. He got into the grace message in a little home group somewhere in, um, in, in, in Cape Town area. And then from there came to, uh, to, to my fellowship. And he's just going to testify on how the grace message has blessed him and prospered him in the area of finances as well, free from effort. So uh, this is just a wonderful guy, a great change in his life because of the grace message. And then I've also got two, uh, two short testimonies at the end of the message that I would encourage you to listen to. Before I go into the message, I also just want to just use this opportunity. And uh, I know I don't do it in all my videos, but really from my heart, I want to just thank every person that gives so generously to Dynamic Love Ministries. Your financial contribution makes it possible for us to reach people all over the world, to rent an office, to uh, drive up and down, organize meetings, um, you know, and just pay for everything that needs to be paid for in ministry. It is awesome to see that people can give from the platform of freedom and uh, not from obligation. I want to thank you. You know, some people give more money, some people give uh, smaller amounts. The amount is not the thing. It is the fact that I can see 
a life of generosity born in you where I can say it is not you living, but it's Christ living in you. Uh, it is so beautiful. If I had to use manipulation and control and you were giving, I would know it is just control living in you, manipulation living in you, the fear of not having living in you and uh, I'm living off that financial gain I get out of that. But I want to thank you, every person that gives from that platform of freedom. It is awesome to know that, that you've partnered with this gospel of grace and uh, that we can spread the gospel together. It is wonderful to have you on this grace team. Amen. I've known Chris for about 30 years. He was in the Assemblies of God in Seapoint many years ago when I knew him. And uh, he, he obviously came to grace. I, I knew disgrace, not grace. And uh, <laughs> I didn't know anything about grace. I just was in the whole system of the law and trying to mix grace. I don't know, just all that. Even while I was in the ministry, you know, I just, it was just all that stuff. And uh, anyway, interesting thing happened with Chris once. He, we were going to a church in Durbanville, a house church. And I started, I'd just come back from the States after being there a few years, and I came back and uh, didn't know where my life was going. My marriage had ended and all that stuff. And I uh, left two ministries behind there and thought, well, what's going to happen, you know? I didn't know what was going to happen, but God had a plan. And I always felt I needed to go into business, but I thought, would it ever happen? But when I started coming to Grace, I remember I was invited to this church. What a confusing house church. Half the people believed in Grace, the other didn't. And they asked Chris to step, get up one day and preach on grace. And I'm thinking, what? The pastor doesn't even believe in it. This is like going to cause, this is talking about throwing a cat amongst the pigeons. Anyway, he got up. An amazing thing happened in all that confusion, that place. Eventually, all the grace guys had to leave. We had to get out of there. It was just terrific. And I'll never forget the day he got up and preached. First time he ever preached. I had a vision. And this is when I, then I think the, that's when that day guilt and condemnation left me. Because I had it all my life, guilt and condemnation. In the ministry, no matter what, it stuck with me. Because I'm trying to attain to get to God, you know, the whole thing. And be good and all that. Anyway, so what happened is I had this vision. I saw Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. And the Lord just said to me, it happened like in seconds, the Lord just said to me, you can never attain to this because it was never designed for you. It was for those that are under the law. I had to come and show the Jews and the Pharisees that if they want to uh, uh, um, live under the law, this is the level, not the level they're under, which is impossible. And he obviously was trying to say, look, I'm going to go to the cross and the law has been done away with and all that. So that really spoke to me. And from that day onwards, I was, guilt and condemnation could never, ever come back again. It was gone. Hey, I tell you, it was like a weight fell off me. Because, I mean, here I'm trying to be better and get closer to God. I remember years when I had a big church in Kimberley. I used to go and fast and pray. And all the pastors who worked under me, I'd go away. I'd come back after three days of praying in tongues and fasting and working. And I'd come back and say, what did the Lord show you? Nothing. What? You went away and fast and prayed? Nothing. Next year I go away to try and get more vision. What did the Lord show you? Nothing. Eventually the guy started leaving. <laughs> you know, but when I look back, it was just me striving in my strength, trying to do it all and fast and pray and nothing happens. So, but I always knew there was something wrong. And anyway, I came back and now I'm starting from scratch again. And I'm going into business. I mean, I've never been in business. I've been in the ministry for, I mean, 20-odd years. And here I'm now in minute. I'll tell you what, and God had a plan. Eh? And he just connected me up with another guy. And I got an idea. And I started running from this idea. And from day one, the business just started taking off. Matter of fact, it's held back because I haven't got the right people working for me at the moment. So, but it's going to get there. But, um, you know, I, gave, I remember in the ministry, I used to try my hardest. I tithed to the T. I would give over, make sure it was a ref, you ran over, just so that I'd be right with God, you know, and I wouldn't, but you know, I never really, always, I, I had just enough, but never abundance, 
And uh, I remember, hey, I'll tell you what, it was like, you know, now I'm, I'm so blessed I can go to a restaurant and I can order what I like. I can order the top, I don't have to worry about the lowest thing on the menu, I can order. And it's so nice, it's so different because I remember I gave two cars away. I've never ever received a car while I was under the law. Now I've, I received the car uh, when I got back from America. An unsaved person gave me a car. And, yeah. And I wasn't even tithing. I just stopped tithing. When I started hearing Bertie and I started, I just stopped tithing. And the money just started coming in. And I'm like thinking, but this is all against what I was taught. You know, it's like, this is so different. And uh, yeah, I, and then I've just come to realize that if you don't just give from your heart, I mean, you just really, it's like, don't do it. And so I've had to learn that and, un, and undergo all that, you know. But I just want to say, I've started a second business now and that's starting to take off. And people are coming to me and say, Joe, why don't you do that? Giving me more ideas to start businesses. And there's so many ideas out there that people don't even know. And uh, yeah, so if anybody needs a couple of ideas, I've got a few. Come and see me after. There's got some brilliant, you must go into the service industry. That's where it is in South Africa at the moment. That's where the, the, the niche is, is in the service industry. Don't try and start something where it's, you've got to go to the bank and get loans. I started with next to nothing and it just grew from there, you know. And uh, yeah, so I'm so blessed at the moment. And um, I just praise God, I've never been blessed like this. And uh, yeah, there's it. So, Right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about financial freedom, like I said. And um, the, what I'm seeing is, and this is also really directed towards uh, leaders that's got churches, uh, grace churches. And so if you're a leader watching by the internet today, I believe that this is really going to help you uh, in guiding your congregation in the area of finances without going back to the old sowing and reaping and tithing message where people can really be free in the area of giving and in the area of receiving by the grace of God. So uh, maybe um, as a church leader you might differ with what I say, but um, man, if I must agree with you, then it's going to be me and you that's going to be wrong. So uh, we can, uh, let, let's just agree with God. Amen. Right. <clears throat> so, okay. Uh, I don't want to be <laughs> wrong with the other guy. So. Right. Uh, in Philippians chapter 4, if we look at the heart of Paul, when it, when it comes to finances, his heart was never uh, to use the congregation to meet his needs. That was never Paul's heart. Because if a leader would minister from that perspective, the moment he does it, his people will be in bondage. And everything Jesus came to do in the area of finances um, and financial absolute liberty and freedom uh, will be taken from them, robbed from them. So, number one, you know, uh, for a church leader, and this is for the people that are church leaders, and maybe some people that one day will have a home sale or any concept about finances in the church, a church leader can never come and think, well, my purpose here is to get these people to give to me. Paul never had that vision. It was never his vision. Uh, and there are many scriptures in the Bible where Paul talks about money. Um, and I'm just going to run through a couple of them uh, quickly. Like in Philippians 4, he says, I, not that I want the gift but I want the fruit that abounds on your account. Now, traditionally that has been taught, if you give, then God's going to give you more money. And what I actually want is, I want you to, to have more money, so I'll bear taking your money. You know? And, <laughs> so, but that is not what that verse means. 
What I was actually talking about is, um, uh, what's wonderful is that I can see generosity in your life, and that is adding the fruit of generosity to the word that was preached to you. Um, that's actually what he's talking about. When Paul talks about fruit in the Bible, especially in Galatians, Philippians, Ephesians, he talks about the fruit of believing in Jesus. And he mentions fruit. You know, uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, meekness, temperance. And under those categories, you can definitely put in generosity and love for people, brotherly love in there. And uh, what he was saying is, um, I, my, my, I thank you for the money that you gave me, but my vision was never to try and live off you. But I will receive this because it comes from a willing heart. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 9, when he talks about a leader that's got a right to receive money from a congregation. Paul says clearly, he says that a, a, a church leader or a person that preaches has got a right to receive money from people. It doesn't mean he's got a right to take money from people. There's a big difference. So, uh, 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 and this is what Paul was actually saying. They accused him of not, work, not working and just trying to make money out of people. And then in his defense, in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 8 and 9, this is what he said. He said, listen, I never came to take money from you. Even 2 Corinthians 12, he says, it's not right for the parents, uh, for the children to care for the parents but the parents must care for the children. So his attitude was never to try and get money from people. Never. Not once. Now I tell you, that shakes the religious world when it comes to money. Because the pastor, and if you're watching by the internet, you will say, but how will I live? And this is what Paul said. He said that as a person who preaches and teaches, he's, we've got a right that should somebody in their heart feel the generosity to give, we have a right to receive it. So in other words, if somebody here, free from me, putting obligation on him, free from me, um, uh, uh, forcing him, manipulating him, and born from the Spirit of God, and his revelation of the new nature in him comes to me and say to me, Bertie, you know, I want to give you a thousand rand a month. I've got the liberty to accept it or reject it. And I do have the right, by the gospel of Jesus, to receive it if it comes in those terms. But Paul clearly said that the gift is not acceptable if it doesn't come in that package. And uh, what I found is, that the moment we move from the law system to the grace system in finances, it's difficult to minister on money, because the only tools we've always used was tithing and sowing and reaping. And uh, we, we don't know how to see gener true generosity in the hearts of people not born or, or born from God. You know? So uh, I think in, in today's message, uh, uh, you guys are going to be blessed. And uh, I'm sorry that we were going to direct this a little bit to leaders as well. Um, I've got two congregations. <laughs> This one and one on the web. So, uh, and there's a need out there because what I'm seeing is um, we preach, uh, uh, church leaders will preach grace um, and not because they want to get people into bondage, but they don't know any other way on how to talk about money in the church. And then fall back into teachings of our obligation, you know, to the church and our obligation to the building and our obligation 
to um, and, and res our responsibility and the responsibility and obligation and um, all those kind of things just starts to come back into the message of grace, polluting the gospel. Uh, because a little leaven leavens the whole lump, you know. Um, and we, we, we still see, we want, and I believe a, a, a person, a, a pastor who really loves his people, doesn't want the, the giving. It's like Paul says, I don't want the giving because I want your money. What I want to see is the dynamics of God's love working in your heart. Where I see His being born in you. Because the being of God born in somebody, be it in the area of forgiveness, be it in the area of generosity, be it in the, in the area of spreading the gospel, family love, whatever it is, His nature manifested equals freedom. Amen. So when it comes to money, we want freedom. So when it comes to getting, we want freedom. We don't want, we want to have testimonies like Chris's testimony. You know, and Gerald's testimony, which is where they can say effortless based on the grace of God without working some spiritual principle because of the love of God. That's what we want. So we don't want, I've tithed, I've sown, I've done something for the church to open the heavens because that is bondage. Okay? And that, that bondage kills people. And now what I've seen is people come out of this then they get the message of they don't have to give or tithe to be blessed, but the residue of that whole belief is, or what is left over in the hearts of believers, is hurt. I'm hurt, I'm angry, and, um, and then what happens is your life further is born from that hurt, which equals bondage. We don't want bondage in any area of our life. We want to be absolutely free in the receiving side and absolutely free in the giving side. Amen. And that is freedom. That is absolutely freedom. You know, um, I wanted to give money to a, to a, a person the other day and um, his button on the face on his uh, website didn't work. So um, I said to him, but the button doesn't work. So he, he went and fix it up but it still didn't work but there was just something in me that I just and eventually the thing worked and a week later and I could give him some money but I could say I gave from freedom nobody there was no obligation I was also not scared to give because I connect giving with the old hurt system I'm free I'm really free uh, and so many times when we hear, and, and there's, there's like many pages on, on Facebook and on the web where they talk about uh, anti-tithing pages. Now, I like to go there, you know, um, because I'm anti-tithing to be blessed. I'm anti-sowing to reap. Absolutely that. And I'm absolutely for God's nature and who He is provides for us from a platform of love. But what I found is uh, a lot of those writings is hurt-based. It's hurt-based. It's like being, uh, it's like somebody that was molested. You know, um, say you were molested when you were very young, you know, for a certain period of time, say for six months. I mean, what happened to you is very bad. But your belief about that can molest you for 40 years. If you believe the lie of my innocence was robbed from me by, by another old guy... 
you'll be molested by that wrong belief for the rest of your life because nobody can take your innocence away for Christ is your innocence. Amen. So uh, uh, what you believe about something can keep you in bondage. What we believe about, if we as grace people continue to live as victims of the tithing and sowing message and have a victim mentality, I want to tell you, you're not free. You're not free. You want to be a free person. You don't want your emotions about finances um, born from uh, hurt, born from uh, abuse mentality. You want that absolute freedom. When it comes to relationships, you want absolute freedom. You want absolute freedom. You don't want this, uh, um, under, this emotion, underlying emotion of hurt and, and uh, uh, bringing bondage to your life. Amen. When we look at Jesus, and I always said it this way, when I was under the tithing and sowing and reaping message, I says, God, what bothers me here is, I, I cannot be generous. I don't have any money left. Because after I've paid all my debt to you, then I don't have any money to just be generous like Jesus was. Jesus was just generous. He just wanted to do good to somebody and he did. But I had an obligation. And I was forced. So I had to do it. You know? And that is actually what is called sin. Sin in the... In, in the you must remember, every word finds a new definition in Jesus. The word sin, according to the Thire word definitions, means the following. Not to take part in. Or not to have a share in. Okay, that is sin. We must get the concept of sin as breaking the Ten Commandments out of our mind. Sin means to miss the mark. Not to take part in the original goal. Um, not to have a share in. So, when I was under the sowing and reaping tithing message, I was not having a share in the liberty of being a giver. So I was sinning. Do you understand? Because I was not taking part in the nature of God. And when the Bible talks about giving freely, that word freely, and we're going to look at that later on more in depth, but that freely means free from any obligation or free from any force whatsoever. So I could not, and that is the nature of God. He's a free person. He's not obligated by anybody or anything to do what he does. If who he is, he finds in himself. He exists. Amen. It's like the word be. Be righteous. It doesn't mean do righteousness. It's a difference between doing and being. God in His being is a giver. God in His being is love. And we were created by God. You know, when God created the plants, He spoke to the earth. And He says, let the earth bring forth plants and whatever. But when He spoke, when He, when he made man, He said, let us make a man. And He spoke to Himself. Because we were the very substance. I mean, He's the very substance of who we are. So the way we naturally function is from being, not doing. Doing is a result of being. I mean, Jesus, God said to Moses, I am that I am. 
In other words, I am so much that it manifests. And that is a free life. So when we were under the tithing and sowing reaping message, we were in sin or actually under the bondage of sin and we couldn't get free so we couldn't be uh, uh, we couldn't be generous although we gave so much we gave so much the word liberty literally or liberality in the area of finances literally means this it means um, not to have pretense or not to be a hypocrite so when you are not when your, your, your giving part of your life or your, I mean your receiving part or your giving part is based on laws, rules and regulations, you are a hypocrite. Even if you try to have a pure motive, you are a hypocrite. Because if I come to, um, I mean if I come to him and I tell him, listen man, here is a hundred rand. He thinks I'm generous. But I'm actually a hypocrite for I am actually sowing to, to, to have a future financially. So I'm a hypocrite. I'm living under pretense. I can never be who I really am. The law forces you into hypocrisy. You can never just love your mother and your father. No, no, no. You've got a long life in mind. Now you love your mother and your father. You're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. It is impossible to be under the law and not to be a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. So Jesus Christ came to save us from hypocrisy. He came to save us from death. And He came to give us true liberality, true freedom in every area of our life. Hallelujah. So, when it comes to financial future, if I look at Eliana and I and our life, we absolutely rest our minds, or I almost say we rest our minds, our minds went to rest at the revelation of the person of God. Now, Barry, do you all the time have a lot of money in the bank? No. But the bank can never define me anyway. Let me put it this way. The blessing, to define blessing in money is actually almost impossible. Because there's not enough money on the planet to manifest what Christ has done financially for us. The planet has to be glorified, recreated, in order to show forth God's provision for us. So, I can actually not say, if I've received the house, or if I've received the car, or I've received something like this, this is now the mani full manifestation of Christ doing on the cross for me. No, no, no. To me, that is just a provision in this life, while I'm waiting for the return of Christ, which simply just comes out of God caring for me for today. That's all. So, when it comes to my financial future, I don't go with four scriptures about how God must provide and how God's going to do this or how God's going to do that. All I do is, I listen to the message of the love of God, not to think of what God's going to do for me or how am I going to get a breakthrough, but to have the revelation of the very being and the person of God. Because it's impossible for your mind to go, go to rest, which is the word believe, it's impossible for your mind to go and rest outside of the presence 
of somebody who's got absolute integrity towards you. So I know for me to open the Bible and quote three scriptures to feel better is not going to work. You want a mind that doesn't need a scripture to be quoted because it went to rest at the revelation of somebody who was willing to give his son to you and cares for you from his very being. Amen. Amen. That is peace in the area of receiving. When it comes to give, I don't want the slightest emotion of obligation. I don't want the slightest feel of manipulation or control, but I want the emotion of the very being of God, how God feels towards people, that freedom from being dictated to by the flesh that wants what you say Okay? Because you know nobody wants to be stingy. Nobody. Everybody wants to be a giver. But what the law does, the good that you want to do, you can't do. That's what it does. Paul says, when I was under the law, the good that I wanted to do, I could not do it. And what I didn't want to do, that I did. So then we come from the beginning again. We say, oh well, you know, I, uh, um, uh, I don't have to give to get. But you still not come. That's a wonderful thing. But when we come into grace... What grace does, it gives birth to the being of God. So I cannot, if, if we want to see, if I as a leader want to see generosity in you, if you as a leader want to see generosity in your people, what you need to do is get the revelation of God's unconditional love towards you as a, as a leader to the point that you know God cares for you. You as a person, be it in the congregation or through business, whatever. He cares for you. He loves you. Okay? And have that enough until your mind goes to rest. From there, you will find purity of motive come to you when you preach about money. Okay? When you do that, the people will have peace in their hearts. They will not feel manipulated and controlled. And God can give birth to who He is in their lives. It doesn't help. God wants to bring the seed, His Word, to give birth to His kind in the people. But you as a leader continues to sow the seed of Satan in their hearts. Because you'll find the weeds growing there all the time. Amen. So we want our people, we want people truly free. With a freedom born from God. Hallelujah. So, what sin is, sin means not to take part in something. Sin is a slave master that takes you captive and leads you to death. It is not you. Okay? Then it says, and this is what I say here, don't make sin a verb. Make it a person. Like Romans 11 says, For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. So, when we talk, talk about sin, don't think of the thing you do for God. Amen? Think of, or, or I mean, the, the, the wrong thing, or the thing you should have done for God, now doing a wrong thing for God. It's got nothing to do with works. Sin is literally unbelief in the finished work of Jesus. It's unbelief in an you not partaking of that thing. Uh, let me put it this way. <clears throat> Say I prepare a meal for you at my house. And I tell you, listen man, and what we do is we spend a lot of money 
we feel so blessed to have you over at our house. You come to our house and we organize this whole thing and whatever. And just before that, you go to McDonald's and you have a nice meal at McDonald's. You know, now you come to my house, now you cannot eat. You are missing out. That is called sin. Amen. That is called sin. The Bible says law activates that thing which stops you of partaking of what God fully intended for you. That's what law does. It stops you of eating the meal that He gave. Amen. Now this law comes in different ways. Amen. Now, uh, what Satan would want you to do is to get you under the law. And for the law to have an, a long-lasting effect on your life, giving birth to your emotions, giving birth to, to, to your actions, doesn't matter where you are. Like I said, with a person that was maybe raped or molested or whatever. The belief of what the person believes about if they've been raped can rape them every time they think of it. Although that action is long gone, 30 years gone, your belief can kill you all the time. And that is a part of the law system. It is not true freedom. And Christ has come to set us free. Amen. Um, um, What strategy is used to get the church into sin financially? This is the strategy that is used, and I don't think people use it intentionally, but the strategy that is used to get the church into sin, not partaking of God's intent for them, is the teaching of tithing and sowing and reaping. Okay? It's, people's really colored in so many times. Like I said last Sunday, I saw, saw somebody on television say, even if you want a girlfriend, you know, sow a faith seed, and you can even get a girlfriend. Okay, maybe just be friendly, you know, that can also help. Um, You don't have to be very pretty to get a good wife. Ask me. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So what happens, what happens to our lives when we get into sowing and reaping tithing? This is what happened. We start to work hard without seeing results. Okay, when we don't see results, the next step is introspection. What's wrong with me? The next step is great guilt and more judgment, more condemnation. And then the next step is start to question God. Okay? And then you feel sorry about questioning God. Then you repent. Then you sow seed on the other seed again. And you start the whole cycle again. Okay? That's what happens. What then normally happens when it comes to grace churches? Then you hear about the message of grace. You don't have to give to get. You are very angry. You don't want to hear anything about the word give anymore or church or helping the poor or anything like that. Why? Because you are still living in the hurt. You are still living in the hurt. And I do believe that there will be a season in every person's life um, after he's come into into the grace message where he will have this hurt and this emotion of, man, I've been abused. We don't want to hear anything like that. I, I, I believe that and I want to say that is normal. That's normal. Because you realized, I mean that whole thing of, it's, it's almost like um, <clears throat> somebody realizing that his partner has cheated on him. 
there will be a time of hurt, but you can't cultivate the hurt. Because that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants you to have your emotions in your life and everything you do based on what the law did. The law got you into bondage. The law got you not to be a partaker of the freedom that's in Christ when it comes to generosity or the receiving side. Then when you get into grace, you still live with a mindset of what the law has done and the law still, you're still under the law. And where does the law lead you? It is sin. What is it not to a partaker of God's original intent in the area of your giving and receiving? And you suffer. And the end of sin, the Bible calls it death. What is death? Death is not to have any part in the life God intended for you in that area of your life. And we don't want that. Amen. So I want you to hear what I'm saying. And those of you that watch by the web... I'm saying this for the freedom of the church. I'm not saying this to take up a big offering. Well, I've got some vision for something. I'm saying this so that you can be a free person. We, I want to see a person that was, like I said, maybe molested or something like that. You want to see the true freedom that comes by the revelation of Jesus. Amen. When it comes to money and people have been abused in that area, we want to see the true freedom where the nature of God lives in them in that area, not being polluted by any law or side effect of the law in their life whatsoever. True freedom. And that true freedom can only come by grace. Hallelujah. And we're going to get into a nice verse about that not long from now. Okay. Um, the end goal... Of God was not to get you out of sowing and reaping. It was for you to be a partaker of His being. Okay. I want to say this to you. The end goal is not to be, say, I've arrived, I'm not part of sowing and reaping and tithing anymore. That's not the end goal. God's end goal was for you to have His being in that area of your life. Absolute careless in His care about your future and absolutely a, a, a generous in the area of giving. Now, if you go and study the word generous and freedom, it actually says freedom financially, the end of it is called generosity. In other words, generosity cannot be defined in the atmosphere of law. It's impossible. There is not such a thing as generosity in the atmosphere of law. You cannot define it in the Greek or in the Webster's. It's impossible. Generosity is the emotion and the passion that's in your heart when you are truly liberated. Now I'm not saying by this, and this is what Paul said. Paul said, I want to give you advice in the area of finances. Um, I'm not saying it by commandment. In other words, saying you must give. I'm not saying you must give. I'm not saying you must uh, bless the church or bless anybody. I'm not saying that. I am trying to reveal to you who you are. Because belief in who you are will give you the absolute joy of having who you are manifest in this life. How frustrating to always want to go on holiday but you can never go. 
how frustrating it is to always want to give something to somebody, but, but stinginess always kills it in your life. You can never be who you truly are. You really want to do something, like the church in Corinth. They made a promise. They said, we want to give towards this church, the poor churches in Jerusalem. But then uh, uh, they, they started to miss out a little bit on the thing, and they didn't do it. There was a want, but they couldn't do then Paul said to them, listen, let me explain to you the grace of God. And he explained grace to them, for grace empowered them unto the manifestation of what they want. Because what a life of frustration to make a promise because you feel the love of God in your heart, but you can never do it. Because You know what's the, what, what is the whole cycle of it? You make a promise, you can never do it. Then you start to feel guilty. Then you start to tell lies. Then you end the friendship. That's how it works. I've seen it many times in my life like that too, because I'm, I'm a preacher. People come and say, listen, excuse me, listen, Bertie, when, when this and this happens, you know, then we're going to give, or then we're going to do this, then we're going to do that. And I just feel in my heart, my goodness, man, God doesn't want something from you that you don't have. Why do you feel guilty thinking you need to give a lot, get a lot, to eventually one day do something for God? Listen, if you want to do something and if you've only got five rand, do it with the five rand and be free. <laughs> Why wait for something big one day? Just be who you are right now. Big money doesn't define you. Small money doesn't define you. I am a being that wants to be generous. If I want to be generous, I'm going to be generous with what I have, not with what I don't have. Hallelujah. You know, we live with this guilt thing, actually. When somebody comes to me and says, Bertie, when my, ministry gets, or when my business gets big, I want to give. I read guilt and condemnation. That's what I read. You know? Rather do with what you have, be who you are today. Amen. And that can come from this absolute freedom. So I want to say, as believers in the grace and the love of God message, and as people watching, people that are in the message of grace, we cannot have a life born from the hurt of the past. I mean, that is sin. That is not partaking in God's original intent for your life, in that area of your life. Amen. God's end goal was not for you to get out of sowing and reaping and tithing. Although it's part of it, amen, it was for you to be partakers of His being and no, to be no more under the enslavement of sin. Sin is not not to give. Sin is not to partake of his being. And Peter comes and he says, listen to what Peter says. Peter says, let the grace of God be multiplied in your life by you acknowledging what Christ has done for you. Amen. So there's areas, more areas of life where we want to see the influence of God, God's nature taking over in our lives. Amen. Where we don't live by willpower. We don't live by our effort. We find his being manifest. And, uh, um, and then Peter also says in Second Peter, he says, By precious promises we are partakers of the divine nature. So we cannot be partakers by willpower of God's divine nature. So you can't by willpower say, I'm a giver, and now by willpower I'm going to give. And then you want to think, because I've got the action of giving, I've, I'm a partaker of generosity. You can give everything you have to the poor, the Bible says, and still be nothing. Amen. So this teaching is not about giving, actually. It's about freedom from the bondage that, 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 
in, in the area of finances. Amen. You can give everything you have to the poor and still be nothing. This is about the nature of God living in our lives in the area of money. And because of the abuse for so many years, our hearts are so closed and so hurt in the area of money that we don't want to hear anything. You know, and I know people um, that was friends of mine, still friends. You know, if you just, if you say, if they hear I gather on a Sunday, they say I'm a legalist. It's law. Why do you want the church? Church in the Bible times was only a little house. But I don't like a house church. There are many people that don't want a church in a house. You know, there are many businessmen that don't want to sit in a little house with 20 people and talk all their stuff there. They'd rather, rather sit in a place with 5,000 people. It's much nicer for them there. So we're not going to be under the law of the church system was abused. So there we got hurt. So anything where the word church is, I'm hurt. I don't want anything to do with that. Listen, that legalism is still chasing you today. Telling you how to feel about the word church. Telling you how to feel about the word money. Telling you how to feel about the word giving. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. So let us continue in the freedom of God and be partakers of His divine nature in every area of our life. We're not going to let abuse of the past rob us of what we can partake in today because of Jesus. Amen. Um, When we look at, at Israel, as God's intent with Israel was not to get them out of Egypt. No, it was to give them their own land. It was not for them to tell all the war stories um, of how bad it was in Egypt all the time, but to have a place of their own. You know, it's good to think back of you know, how God delivered you from the bondage that you're in. But God's number one vision was not to get them out of Egypt. It was to give them their own place. Amen. It's like he said, there's a promised land. There was something that God intended. And God's nature in you is God's intent for you in this life. It's like I said, for those who haven't heard this, when, when we have children, the number one reason why we have children is not to have somebody to clean the house and wash the car. We have children for the purpose of having somebody that can inherit everything we have. Amen. It's not for them to work for us, it's for them to receive everything that we've worked for, for free. Okay, that's the one reason. Another reason, I'm just talking about my own life, is for me to have a good friend. A friend is somebody that you want to entertain to the point that he just wants your presence all the time. That's a friend. I want my, my children to be my friends. Amen. That's what, that's, I, I pursue that. That's everything I think of. It's that. My, these are my three friends. My good friends. When I'm old, I'm going to sit with three good buddies. That's what I've got in mind. Because the life that I have, and I believe this is why God made us, He was so full of life and so full of all, all these awesome things that He couldn't keep it to Himself. He said, let me make somebody else that can feel how it feels to be like me. And sin would be anything that will take you away from that. An obligation to give is or immediately, obligation to give will immediately rob you from the place of experiencing that freedom in Christ. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right, let's read the verse that I'm going to end off with in uh, 2 Corinthians 8. It says, this is Paul, I'm reading from the Bible in basic English, because it's a very difficult verse in the King James. It says, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1, it says, Now we give you news, brothers, about the grace of God which has been given to the churches in Macedonia. How while they were undergoing every sort of trouble and were in great need. Okay, what were they going through? Every sort of trouble. And in great need, they took all the greater joy in being able to give freely to the needs of others. Okay, listen to what happened here. Paul says, I want to tell you about the grace. Not the law, the grace. The word grace is God's enablement. God's supernatural enablement by impacting your belief and the manifestation in life. Okay? That is grace. I want to tell you about the grace that came on the poor churches in Macedonia. They were, listen to the grace now. Now, many people can use this verse to tell, tell people, listen, even if you're poor, you must give. This is not what I'm saying. I am teaching you on grace in the area and freedom in money. Listen to what made these people happy. I like the way the, the Bible basic English words it. It says, um, they were in every sort of trouble and were in the greatest need. Listen to this. They took all the greater joy in being able to give freely. So they, they got to this place. Okay, they will... I'm going to try and explain this way. They were just living a normal life. Studying the gospel, the message of God's love and everything. And then they heard about Corinth giving money, wanting to give money to the poor churches in Jerusalem. Then while they were thinking upon it, grace came upon them. God's divine influence upon their heart. And when the divine influence came upon their heart, they were so happy that they could now give freely. Not under obligation, not anymore di dictated by their needs around them, not by a preacher that hammers them, but by them being able to be who they really are, for they've been set free by grace from sin. What is sin? Not partaking in what Christ has done. So when grace came upon them, they were a partaker of the emotion to be fearless. Not to have stress in the area of money. Not, you, cannot do, you cannot fake that stuff. <laughs> it is the grace of God that comes. But the Bible says we've got access into this grace through faith. So what we can do is, we can hear the gospel of no condemnation until we find His power bringing this truth into our hearts. I'm never going to allow, you know, the abuse that I've been through to bully me today. No way. The price Jesus paid was too expensive for me to be a slave of being stingy. No ways. I've got the right of freedom. If I want to give something to somebody, I am not going to be a slave of something taking me captive that I cannot be who I am. Yes. I'm going to be who I am. 
Amen. And I'm not going to let the enemy come with a word when I want to give something to somebody as a free person. Tell me, oh yeah, you know, you are back into sowing and reaping and whatever. As a preacher, I'm not going to allow uh, um, the enemy to tell me, you're not allowed to preach about this freedom because other people has abused people in the area of money. Now, I must change my message and what I do because of some other uh, guy that just abuses the message. No, no, I'm going to preach the truth. Hallelujah. We cannot have our lives bound and, and, and by other people's other people not partaking in what Christ has done for them. We are partakers of the very being of God. These people, you know, they were happy to give. They were more happy. The greater joy was, man, I find freedom now in me. It's like uh, being bound by temper. And grace came upon you. The great joy is not, not to be angry anymore. But the great joy is to find the ability. The ability to effortlessly... Have patience and kindness in your life by the doing of God. Amen. And these people were so greatly in joy because they found that they could give from the platform of freedom. Now I want to define freedom for you. Freedom means a state of exemption from the power of control of another. It's a state they could give from freedom. It is a state of exemption from the power or control of another. Exemption from slavery or servitude or confinement. That's freedom. Isn't that beautiful? Exemption from fate necessity or any constraint or control freedom ease or felicity felicity means great joy of doing anything okay so these people when grace came upon them they were so poor they had all kind of trouble and all kind of poverty now if you're in all kind of trouble and all kind of poverty you cannot give Paul didn't even want to receive the money from them. Paul said, you're too poor to give. Then they begged Paul. Then they begged Paul. You can read the whole thing. To take, they said, we, please, we beg you. We beg you. We want part in sharing and supplying for the needs of the poor. But they poor. So what did grace do? Where normally they would be enslaved to saying, I don't have, I cannot do something. Or they would be enslaved by, like we would be typically today, enslaved by the hurt of the past. Whatever enslavement or control, they were set free from that. And they found this freedom. And they said, we wanted to do this, but thank God that my financial situation cannot dictate to me. And you know what Paul said later on in the church in Corinth? He said to them, listen, I want to tell you about these people, the grace of God came upon them. Now I want to tell you, wake up. This giving is not according to what you don't have. It's according to what you do have. 
So it's not an obligation thing. So in whatever measure you feel the freedom where you can give freely, where you can give from the platform of, um, let me read freedom here again, of exemption from the power of control of another. Where you don't feel that person is manipulating me or controlling me. Where you don't feel you're a slave. Where you don't feel I'm doing, I, I've, I've got to serve God for this. Where you say I am exempt from fate, necessity, or constraint or control. Amen. Where you find ease and felicity in doing it. Ease and joy in doing it. That is called grace giving. That is the giving God intended in the beginning. Now if you cannot give like that, you know, then you don't have to give. Because even when you give in, in, in a state of control, you are in, in, uh, in bondage. And even if you don't give, you're still in bondage. But what we do as believers that are in love with God is we say, God, what you've done for us is such an awesome, great thing. And we experience freedom in so many areas of our lives. Why not experiencing this in the area of giving? We want true freedom, man. Where we can be so happy because the fear of not having in the future has been dealt with with a person by the person of God knowing how much he loves me. So fear for the future cannot tell me not to give. Fear for the future cannot tell me that I will not have because I've been cared for in the very person of God. Amen. The, and I want to put it this way. The supernatural force of being stingy and hoarding up which comes by the flesh because I'm under the law has been taken away from me because of grace so I'm free I am not a slave of the law I'm not a slave of uh, negative emotions I'm not a slave of fear anymore because of the revelation of who I am thank you Jesus you know we don't there's enough in the resurrection power of Jesus I want to say this to church leaders. There's enough in the resurrection power of Jesus when it comes to money and generosity that we don't have to go back to the old system to try and get people to give. God raises people up in His own, into who He is. Amen. And when, our, when we find people being born from God, our heart will be happy when they give to us. But if they don't give to us and give to somebody else... We will be just as happy for we're seeing the fruit because we know God meets our needs. He might use people, you know, in the congregation, which I do believe in. That happens. But that is not our goal to try and get them to give to us. We preach the truth and God gives birth to His kind in people. Amen. Hallelujah. And I want, I want to say, and this is what Paul says, let's yield our members as instruments of righteousness. And I believe that's where the decision, where we as a human being have got the freedom of choice. We can decide what we're going to yield ourselves to. Are you going to yield yourself to the old hurt and manipulation and, and say, well, I make my body available for a vessel where hurt can bear its fruit? Or I make my body available for where the being of God can bear His fruit by His effort and by the Holy Spirit in my life unto a life of abundance and joy fearless for the future and fearless in giving amen what do we yield our members to let's yield our members to the doing of God amen
We're not going to sit under fear. We're not going to sit under manipulation and control. We're going to give freely. Amen. And this is what Paul said there. The King James says it this way. He says, I want to testify of the grace of God that came upon the churches of Macedonia. How they lived in liberality. Just making it short now. I want to testify about the liberality. The word liberality there talks about giving from the platform of freedom. You know, if we, grace sets us free. Amen. So allow God's grace to even set you free in the area of receiving and in the area of giving. We don't give to get, man. You are sinning. You are sinning when you do that. You are sinning towards yourself and you are sinning towards God. You are sinning towards your family because you are leading them astray and they are not a partaker of the very freedom of God. Hallelujah. And I've got great joy to see how people, by the message of this grace, are generous. It, it's, it's beautiful. Because you see the pure child of God born in that area. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Let me see if there's one more thing. Um, verse 9, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might be made rich. You know, if you look at the Bible, it says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace that came upon Jesus when He was upon the earth was that He, he said, I'm going to take of what's mine and I'm going to enrich others. So there was something that He believed about people and about God that empowered Him effortlessly to be willing to lay down all the wealth He had to enrich others. And I want to tell you, that is the grace of God that will come upon you. That's the grace of God that came upon the churches in Macedonia. And they were set free from Jesus when He was on the earth. He was absolutely free from the thing of, well, I need to be rich. I need to have this. I need to have that. Is Jesus rich today? Yes. Of course. It doesn't mean you're not going to be rich. He's very rich. But riches didn't have Him. He was free. Hallelujah. And listen to this. And, and, and this is beautiful. For you know the grace of Jesus. I've just read it, verse 10. And herein I give my advice, Paul said. For it's expedient for you who have made the promise to also do it. Um, verse 13. For I mean not that other men must be eased and you burdened. But I want an equality amongst you. Because there were people that were poor that gave. But these rich people, they didn't give. They promised, but they didn't give. He says, listen, man, I want you to give. And the verse just before that, in verse 12, says, For if there first be a willing mind, it's accepted according to what a man has, not according to what he does not have. You know how many times we were so condemned in our giving? Because you can, and you feel, I can from freedom give a hundred rand or two hundred or three hundred rand. I can give that from freedom. But then we were so, felt so guilty that we don't want to do the 300 rand or for the Americans and the Europeans the 30 euro or the 40 dollars because we think this is just nothing because th this is just nothing before God 
Listen, when grace comes upon you, it's according to what you do have. It's not according to what you don't have. Why do we want to feel guilty when it comes to our giving? I end off with us just taking everything together. We are partakers of the divine nature of God by grace. When grace comes upon us, we find freedom in the area of receiving. And we have got freedom in the area of giving. Where we give from no obligation. That is our right in Christ. We are co-heirs of this right to live from that platform. And don't let anything rob it from you. Don't let some message of condemnation or going back to tithing and sowing reaping rob it from you. And don't let the hurt of how you were abused rob you from your freedom. You are the God kind. You live from freedom. You are a generous person. Amen. And we are not going to sin by not partaking in this nature that we have. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen and amen. Right. Uh, for, for, uh, I mean, the people that are here, people watching by the internet, maybe you felt bound, you know, be it through sowing and reaping, tithing message, or be it through the hurt that came and the abuse that came. And uh, I would like to pray for you. And uh, I know this message has already set you free. Uh, but I would like to just agree with you in prayer. And the people that are here, just agree with you in prayer. Because we don't want to live a life where we see the cycle of pain all the time in our life. You know, we want that freedom. Freedom to be who we really are. Let's pray together. If you're a person like that, I want you just to know that God loves you. He doesn't condemn you. He, he, he looks at you as a person that was... Um, under the power of something that was greater than you because of the law. It was not you that committed the wrong deed. The Bible says it's sin in us. It's, for, it's because we, have not part, we did not partake of what is brought for us, that the emotion of fear and the emotion of maybe being stingy or the emotion of I don't want anything to do with the word even giving or... Um, the fear of the future financially has grabbed the whole of your heart. God doesn't accuse you. God has separated your sins from you. He knows it's not you. Like Romans says, it's not I who sin, but the sin in me. But thank God, the Bible says, now that we are under grace, sin does not have any dominion over us anymore. Not partaking in the very being of God. We don't have to settle for that anymore. Christ has given us the ability to... His ability, where He lives who He is in us. And today is your day of freedom. Amen. It's always been your day of freedom, but today is the day where you make use of it. Father, I want to pray for every person that is here today and every person that's watching me over the web in how many nations. I thank you, my God, that you love them. I come in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit and I just declare all guilt and condemnation is removed from you. You are a free person. You are under the grace of God. The very influence of God upon your heart. And you are free today. In Jesus' mighty name. You are a free person to do as you feel in your heart by the, by the Holy Spirit. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 2. And I want, I want you all to listen to this. This is what it says. It says, And the church in Macedonia gave from the impulse in their heart. 
And today I declare you free by the grace of God to do and live according to God's impulse in your heart, which is His very being. And you are free to be who you are by the love and the grace of God. In Jesus' mighty name. I declare every person here that does not have a job, every person here that struggles financially, I declare your needs met by His riches in glory uh, through Christ Jesus. Supernaturally, by the doing of God, things come your way. And God opens for you by His love. It is all contained in who He is and He cares for you in Jesus' mighty name. Wisdom is yours in the area of money. Wisdom is yours in the area of your giving. You are liberated in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. You know, I know I've preached this message myself now. But I want to just say what I see in the Spirit. I just see this message. And, you know, while I preach, I was just listening to what God's saying through me. I just see it like pure water. Washing people, setting people free, no condemnation, just this absolute light and how you are being enlightened by this and how people all over the world are being enlightened through this. In Jesus' name, thank you Father for your great love. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Right, um, I want to just uh, quickly testify, we had a, a person call us from Tabazumbi, and uh, they said they want to, um, they're going to rent like a, they want to rent a big rugby stadium and get me to come and preach there, yeah. you know, so uh, just sharing the, yeah, so uh, anyway, so I, I'm very excited about that, and um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of doors opening in South Africa, you know, for this message. People inviting me from, um, you know, like the AFM and, and Pentecostal churches that see me on television and stuff. And they just say, Bertie, you know, our people need this message. Come and preach. And they get leaders together. I've got a great testimony. There was, um, you know, there are, Melissa said. Yeah, he's on the Lesotho border. He's also from the AFM, Afrikaans-speaking guy. And he said, um, they've already translated a lot of my stuff into uh, Sutu and another language, causal something. And, they've, and, and many churches has converted into grace through that. And they want to get a meeting where all these people come together and I can go and, and, and just preach to them. They, they will feel so honored, you know. So isn't that awesome? I was not even knowing of these things going on, you know. So... That is so, so awesome. I'm so excited, um, you know, about what's happening. Another testimony, um, the one guy that was basically against me uh, came to give me a word and, and talk a little bit about grace, and then he said, uh, you know, Bertie, the grace message is going to end, you know. And he just gave this word, and, and that was actually the, the time of this, the season of this is over, you know. And then I said to him, my brother, can I not just, after he, and he spoke for like an hour, and this is about... How long ago? Two years ago. A year and a half ago. And, he, and I said to him, my brother, you know, I see you don't understand grace. man. Can I not just explain grace to you? Now, he came to tell me how it's going to be end. I shared grace with him and he got converted. 
And now he's in circles in Cape Town with pastors which are very anti-me. I don't know why. I mean, my wife loves me. You know, I mean, my kids love me. You guys love me. You know why they're against me? Well, which is against me. And then he said to them, listen, I listened to this guy's message. It changed my life. And on Tuesday, he's bringing three pastors to my house so that I can share with them because they, and they're willing to come. So that is awesome, you know. So I just think, I just see more and more doors opening up for this message. For this is the